more details on Orlando's openings, can't stop the construction in Tokyo, and did Universal just swoop in and steal Disney's thunder? That and more, all on today's Park Hop. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Great Park Hop. My name is Julian James, and continuing to join us live from the Hall Cave, where he's trying to figure out what exactly blue milk tastes like, the man, the myth, the legend, Henry Hall. Hey! Each week we get together to discuss the latest and greatest theme park news, happenings, and burning topics from the lands of Disney Universal and beyond. Before launching into things, we always like to note that Henry works at the Walt Disney Company. As always, though, his opinions are fully his own. Henry, there's a great question and thought posed on Reddit uh, the other day, and it was it was theorizing just or, or just really throwing around the idea and the question of knowing that there are going to be masks required whenever these theme parks open. Will some of these character-themed masks that Disney's putting out, a few other companies are putting out, will they, at least in the short term, become the new Mickey and Minnie ears? Huh. I never really thought of that, but it's a good possibility. I definitely believe that, yeah, I, I could see that happening. It's like uh, the, whole, the, whole, the whole concept of personalized and unique Minnie and Mickey ears has has kind of become its own phenomenon where people are able to customize and uh, and really find that perfect set of ears that fits their interest and uh, and they've come out with a handful of designs at least through the official shop Disney store that feature um, some really fun ideas and and fun designs there was one in particular that i think that that they're referring to but it's sort of the snouts of some of the uh of some of the other disney characters so they have at, at least the ones that they've that they've shown so far there's like a mickey kind of face uh, a winnie the pooh face a stitch face and then a uh, a marie from aristocats face so it kind of looks like uh you know if you were to pair it with ears you could do some really fun kind of combinations for sure my wife's mother made her uh, a mini themed mask nice. and i have a i have a marvel comics mask that they made for me as well nice they do have at least they've shown they had a Hulk one, which was uh, which looked really fun too. But uh, yeah, tons of tons of opportunities for some fun creativity for sure. I'll have to run that uh, idea by my wife, and I'm sure she'll probably get on board. And because I guess the the trick for her, I mean, she can already make the mask. That's something that she's already done. But the trick for her is finding the actual like uh, material since they, you know, since they're a big company and whatnot, they can get that material made for them. She has oh, yeah. to try and like go to a store or shop online to find material like that. They did do, uh, they did come across some like fabric, like Eagle fabric where they were able to make uh and they cut it just right. So that uh, like they made a, uh, like a Harley Eagle mask for my father so you might be able to find the right material but uh i need to let her know now and she can start uh shopping around oh man i can i can totally picture some really cool stuff coming out of uh 
coming out of Lori's workshop there, especially if you guys are really planning around that Halloween Disneyland trip. Uh, definitely some fun stuff there. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of which, getting hyped for Halloween because they're halfway to Halloween uh, <laughs> promotions that they're po- pointing out there. Watch the uh, Grinning Ghosts performed by the Dapper Dans the other day, yesterday. Yeah, I... I, I I've definitely recognized that that has been that has become a thing. Uh, now, is that is this a new thing? I think it's a new thing, right? I don't I don't remember it's, this it's halfway to Halloween. Definitely, it's definitely a new thing, right? Because you know they actually like pushed a notification via the Disney app to yeah. me, and my wife and I have always we've gone to like Disneyland during halloween for the last probably at least uh four or five years in a row uh at least and uh we've never i've never gotten and i've had the app and i've never gotten a notification before and i've never seen on facebook where they're pushing this uh halfway to halloween i definitely think this is them preparing you know, doing actually trying to get people hyped up to come back and do Halloween. So I am now saying they will do any conversions they can for Halloween. All right. So you're confident. Oh, yeah. It, I think they're going to go as all out as they can for Halloween now because they've never done this before in the past. The The thing I've I've seen before is that they'll send out a notification saying like, Hey, we're going to do like uh ticket sales starting this date for the uh, Mickey's not too scary Halloween uh, party. And they've, right. they've sent that notification, but that was the most of it. And then maybe about as you get closer to Halloween, you'll start to see like, uh, you know, information and, and, uh, and advertisements for it. But this is the first time I've seen like a halfway to Halloween. They literally were like saying, Hey, we've got 10 months till <laughs> Halloween you know, to the, you know, so it's not like, 10 months, okay. but yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Five months, five months. Sorry. Halfway yeah. baby. Halfway. I was thinking that October is the 10th month. So yeah. 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 It's like whoa! That what already? I'm totally thrown off in terms of the day of the week. The last thing I need right now is to be thrown off on what month it is. Like that would be it sounds like a <laughs> recipe for disaster. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, you're not the only one. Not the only one. <laughs> no, I, I'm. I, I I would hope not. But uh, I think what they're doing is that I think if they are pushing this at this point. I think if they are open at Halloween, they will be kind of, it's almost like they're making it that they're going to have to do any conversions. And and I wouldn't say they necessarily are going to go big, but they're going to do what they can to do uh, at least uh, some kind of Halloween celebration. Right. Uh, so it will, I think something like the... Uh, the conversion of the haunted mansion, I think, is definitely something that they will at least attempt to do. I mean, if right. they're not done by that time, but I think it's likely. Like before, we were kind of guessing that, 
you know, if they couldn't do it, they're not going to necessarily like uh, push it. But I think since they're advertising this right now, they're kind of making it so like if anybody was to go around Halloween and they don't do any of this stuff, I think they're going to piss off a lot of people. <laughs> so that's true. Uh, so that is definitely true. They're they're they are in doing this, letting people know that like. You know, th- there's something at the end of the rainbow here <laughs> and it's Halloween, but it's like if you are getting people fired up to your point, if you're getting people fired up for Halloween and at least getting people thinking about that time period and everything that that means to Disneyland uh, and then they don't deliver on it, despite the fact that they're open, it, it will make it sting that much worse. Yes, exactly. And so that's Disneyland. Universal also does Halloween stuff. Do you think they're do you think they're in the same boat? Obviously they're not sending them out halfway to Halloween things, but uh if they're open, is is Halloween Horror Nights on or do you think it's a very different scenario? I think that's a different scenario because um they're they're uh at least in uh Hollywood, Universal Studios Hollywood, their decorations for Halloween are very different and are even though they have some decorations up, they're very minimal. Um, and then they they're most of what they present during Halloween are these uh, mazes. And I think that would be kind of a difficult thing to pull off with social distancing. Yeah. Uh, so I think maybe not at Universal Studios. Uh, plus their thing is, is very kind of, well, actually, I guess I did see quite a, it looked like a, quite a few people were going to it, uh, last year. Um, so it it might actually be a, a fairly big thing now for them, but, uh, Oh yeah. I don't know if they would still pull that off, uh, what they would have to offer for that. Yeah. I mean, I guess they could still do a show with the uh, Jabberwockies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know if that quite would uh, satisfy people's um, expectation for Halloween time at Universal. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is po- very popular, certainly in Hollywood. It's a it's a huge deal in Orlando, where really they go all out. I mean, there's more scare zones. The scare zones are usually more intricate. Uh, the mazes are a little. They, they certainly have a lot more mazes. Um, the theming is a little bit better. But uh, again, they've got a lot more space to work with. But yeah, I mean, you're, to your point, it's like the whole concept of the event is there are people interacting with other people, some of which are scare actors um, or just people going through confined spaces and and uh, encountering other people that are trying to scare them. So definitely a lot of people on people contact. Uh, so I, I agree. I would not be particularly surprised if uh, if Halloween Horror Nights doesn't happen. Major disappointment because there has been some really, really cool mazes coming out recently. Uh, they've definitely been 
going out of their way to try to find IPs and franchises that are going to bring more people into the park that uh, that maybe you wouldn't necessarily expect would be interested in in a haunted house or your kind of traditional stuff. Like they brought in Ghostbusters last year, which had some kind of scary elements, but was really more of an immersive kind of spooky experience than like totally super hardcore scary, which is just kind of what they lean into. But, uh, but yeah, that'll, that'll be a disappointment for sure. I mean, it definitely seems like there is, um, there's some interesting back and forth between, uh, Disney and universal right now. This may actually be some kind of a boon or something for universals. Cause maybe they'll think of something new and different to do, uh, and they'll still do Halloween Horror Nights, but it'll be a little bit different. Maybe something more with the tram, because I think they do something with the tram, but uh, it's not maybe as involved as the the mazes. I wouldn't count it out completely, but I think it'll have to change from what they normally do for sure. They certainly have uh, they certainly have the time to figure something out for sure, and and I think uh, they they benefit from low to no expectations, right? It's like if uh, and generally people are not expecting that Halloween Horror Nights is going to be a thing or if they are expecting that it's going to be a thing, nobody's going to be surprised if it's extremely pared down or if they just outright cancel it. So if they come forward with like, it's going to be different, it's still going to be Halloween Horror Nights, but it's, uh, it's going to be a completely... Uh, completely different experience than what you are normally used to. You know, they they have the benefit of the doubt going for them, and and people are going in with like, who knows what this is going to be? We'll we'll just have to see. So, uh, so yeah, could potentially work out for them. Oh, hopefully, it would be it would just be really strange if if they have parks open and they're not doing anything. So yeah, I, I feel like you're right that they've they've got to do something. Yeah, I mean it's it's. We'll have to see. And Universal's is kind of a wild card in this in that they, they've actually been stepping up their game. They've been coming up with stuff that has been like kind of surprising me, especially with their new parks coming up and whatnot. I, I would definitely give them the benefit of the doubt, but we'll have to see. I'm I definitely have never been a big fan of the uh mazes. People have a tendency to run into me a lot and hide behind me. I think I even went through the uh, Walking Dead haunted house and I got really angry because one of the actors just would not get out of my face. (laughs) (laughs) That's gone, by the way. That's no longer a thing even at Universal. Yeah, I know. Uh, And I'm kind of glad (laughs) because that guy made me so angry because like, I guess he saw that I wasn't scared and then he wouldn't like, he was getting just close enough to my, in my face that like, I can't say he's touching me, but he wouldn't get out of like in front of me and whatnot. And it was just like, dude, just leave me alone. (laughs) So, uh, it, it was not a pleasant experience for me. <laughs> well, little did anyone know that is the reason why The Walking Dead is closing down. It's uh, after that experience, they just they just couldn't they couldn't make it work anymore. <laughs> 
Well, speaking of universal exceeding expectations and surprising everybody, last week, if you remember, we discussed the fact that a few of the Universal Orlando CityWalk employees had been tweeting out that they were being asked to expect certain shops to reopen on May 11th. As you, Henry, pointed out last week, the 11th came and went without any openings or announcements. However, the very next day, Universal came out with an official press release stating that the Orlando City Walk would begin limited operation of select venues on Thursday, May 14th. Now, what exactly does limited operation of select venues mean? It means that each day, the following venues will be open from 4 to 8 p.m. That includes... Red Oven Pizza Bakery, Bubba Gum Shrimp, Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville, which only has outside seating and uh, seating in the Lone Palm area only, Voodoo Donuts, and Auntie Anne's. Also open is the Universal Studios Store, the Hart and Huntington Tattoo Company's retail shop, various merch carts, as well as the Hollywood Drive-In Golf. And included in the press release as well were specific guidelines that all guests will have to follow. These include face masks being required to be worn throughout each visit. They also have some face masks available at the entrance for an additional cost. It looked like it was around $6. Each venue's capacity is limited to help with social distancing, so takeout is being encouraged. And cashless payment is available at all storefronts, and complimentary self-parking will be offered. So that came out of nowhere. Totally, totally out of the blue. That's pretty wild, man. (laughs) It was like, are they going to open? And then it was like, yeah, they're going to open. Yeah, totally. I guess at least they can see how people like follow the rules for now. Yeah. So that was a couple of days ago, which means as we're talking now, it's already open, or at least it will be tomorrow from 4 to 8 p.m. Eastern. I'm guessing that you're wondering how things went. Well, the Disney food blog covered the grand reopening and described an experience that was both well corralled and highly sanitized. A few points from their report that stuck out to me anyway was that overall signage and social distance labeling is everywhere throughout the area. Even even in the bathrooms, they're labeling specific sinks as not to use and stalls as not to use to really force additional social distancing, which is a good thing. Uh, There are designated entrances and exits for all shops, but interestingly enough, in the Universal Studios store, merchandise is still out as it normally would be. So you asked last week, Henry, what about t-shirts if they're going to, if they're going to really limit what you can try on and, and, um, and put your, and, and actually touch. So they were saying at least at at the Disney parks uh, in Shanghai, they're making it so that you are only allowed to touch what you're actually going to purchase. So it sounds like at least at Universal City Walk, you're free to touch anything you want. So uh, that seems a little strange, but we'll see how that works. Surfaces and high traffic areas are regularly being wiped down and sanitized. Um, they had paper menus at Margaritaville that are being thrown away after each use. 
additional plates are being used under food so that the server isn't actually touching what you're eating off of. And it sounded like there were some long waits at the restaurants too. So they called out specifically Margaritaville had like a two and a half hour wait. So definitely it sounds like there were quite a few or at least at least a pretty decent group there that uh, that came out for the reopening. But um, it sounded like at all of these restaurants, rather than having people wait around the general vicinity, they were taking names and numbers and then allowing you to kind of wander off and they were going to, uh, they'll text you when it, when your table's ready. So, so yeah, it sounds like there are actually quite a few, uh, new changes at city walk. Do you think this is, does it sound like this is, this is something that you would find appealing that you would, let's say if you were local in the area that you would stop in and say hi? Hmm. I don't know. I think I'd wait till like, you know, the newness is kind of worn off before I would stop in and check things out i'm definitely not gonna i'm not down for a two-hour wait for a table (laughs) yeah it seems like part of that is just a lot of pent-up demand right like uh people have been inside for so long and are are feeling like they need to get out um it definitely seemed like it was uh, certainly not crowded but it certainly wasn't empty. <laughs> it was definitely definitely seemed like there were quite a few people that that had stopped in and and checked on everything. So um, I, I want to see how how like everything like people in the first thing uh, first round are mining their their manners and whatnot. How does it over time? How does this kind of go and? Yeah, and that's actually good. So you reminded me another uh, interesting piece of the report from uh, from DFB was at least it answered one of the questions that you brought up. I think it was last week in that um, you were just bringing up the you brought up the general question of, you know, when when theme parks do start to reopen, how much enforcement is the or or, or how aggressive is security and staff going to be about ensuring that people are wearing masks, especially. Mm-hmm. And so um, sounded like at least at this opening day uh, for the reopening, people generally were following the rules as, as I guess you would expect for that initial crowd. But they did call out there were a few times that they noticed that people weren't wearing masks while sitting out in the, the kind of general walking area. And um, it was one of the staff members at City Walk had just gently reminded them, got to wear your mask if you're here. And they quickly put it on and all was good. So if nothing else, I mean, it sounds like they're uh, wary about this kind of concern i'm sure around uh, in a lot of people's minds that maybe people are going to show up and just kind of um kind of kick off their shoes and just not worry about the rules and at least it sounds like at a bare minimum the staff there is cognizant of that and and being pretty um diligent about ensuring that people are wearing masks yeah i imagine they they are uh because i mean if they if they shut down, like if people aren't following the rules, they have to shut down again. And those people are out of a job again. So, uh, good for them to actually like following up with that. Yeah. Uh, and it's also like, if, if you've already shown up, right. So you show up, 
You go through the kind of security screening, which includes a contactless temperature scan. Um, and then they make sure that you're wearing a mask. Like they said, if you're not, if you don't have a mask with you, they'll offer to sell you a mask for $6. Uh, and you know, if you don't have a mask, you're not coming in. If you do come on in. And, uh, and so it seems like if you've already gone through all of that, like why, why bother, uh, kind of, you know, purposefully not wearing your mask. I, I think you definitely, it sounded like at least the impression that DFB gave was that they were just people that maybe weren't thinking about it per se, but I don't know. I think that's going to be probably pretty common, at least as things get moving here. Yeah. I mean, people start to like put loose in their, uh, put down, let down their guard, but unfortunately you can't because that's when people start getting sick and then you have another like outbreak, which ruins it for everybody else. Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's there, there's definitely going to be an adjustment period to the new normal, at least for the time being. Right. Oh yeah. Well, if, uh, so if all of these precautions, health and safety precautions, uh, that universal is, implementing for CityWalk, if all of that sounds familiar, it's because most of these precautions will also be put into use at Disney Springs when it has its own limited reopening on May 20th. We've already talked about a few of these venues that will be open and ready to welcome guests. Overall, it sounds like there's going to be around 13 shops and restaurants that have added their names to the list. Also announced is that Disney-owned storefronts will be opening a week afterwards on May 27th. As mentioned, overall, the safety measures that are going to be put in place pretty much identical to what's there for CityWalk. The main difference is that Disney is calling out specifically is that uh, it doesn't seem like masks will be for sale at the entrance. Um, instead, Disney mentions that disposable masks, quote, may be available for guests who have forgotten their own. So it sounds like they're encouraging people, bring your own masks. We can't promise that every person that shows up without a mask will get one. Um, they also don't call out if it's if it's for sale or anything like that. So it, it just sounds like to be safe, bring your own mask. Uh, they're going to have plexiglass dividers that will be installed at all registers and that guests will now always be required to swipe their own payment cards rather than handing it to the cashier. Also interesting, though, is a new disclaimer that has been added to the Walt Disney World and Disney Springs travel information section. This, uh, this new Part is called COVID-19 warning and includes a little tidbit stating that, quote, by visiting Walt Disney World slash Disney Springs, you voluntarily assume all risks related to exposure to COVID-19. So sounds overall like a little legalese there. Mm -hmm. But um, but so it sounds like everything's moving forward at Disney Springs. When you put both of these together, it's it's really interesting because, you know, Disney's been pretty out front in terms of what their plans for this reopening of Disney Springs is. I mean, it's been it's been out there for um, over a week at this point, maybe two weeks at this point. So, I mean, there's definitely been a, a slow kind of burn and build up or I should say a slower or uh, burn and build up to the reopening of uh, of Disney Springs. 
uh, which is completely different than how Universal handled it, which was basically, you know, they just, like we said, they came out of nowhere and said, hey, haha, we're opening in a couple of days, so come on in here. Part of me was wondering if it was intentional to try to beat Disney to the punch here. I think you're on the money in this one. Yeah, they it definitely gave them quite a few, uh, quite a few headlines, right? Because now all of a sudden they're the first major uh, theme park facility in Orlando to open up. Uh, and so now, you know, in a few days when Disney Springs opens up, maybe a little of that, little of that steam is, uh, is no longer there. It's been released. So, um, so certainly I'm sure it's going to be packed. I'm sure there'll be plenty of people there, uh, enjoying everything that there is to enjoy. It sounds like generally there's, there's even more venues that are going to be open at Disney Springs than we're at uh, City Walk, but um, but still, at least from at least from that initial kind of grand reopening, maybe it's it's not quite as a as much of a shiny object anymore. Yeah, I mean it's it's not going to get as as they stole a little bit of uh, Disney's thunder, but I mean planning ahead also means you can open up more, you know. So you getting all this stuff in into uh, in place in time, but, uh, yeah, they're not going to get as, it stole a bit of Disney's thunder, but, uh, I think regardless, it's still going to have a good, uh, a good, um, a good crowd, good size crowd. Cause people are just looking for places to go. And, and this is one of those places that people generally can go and kind of forget their, their problems for the moment. And, kind of it's closer to getting to that place they really really want to go would be the disney parks so right well and so so thinking about disney parks and just the theme parks which which are kind of you're, you're right the end goal here do you think that this maybe is a bit of a hint about how universal is going to handle the reopening of their parks compared to disney and that Disney's very conservative. They're very, uh, very much trying to give as much heads up time as possible. Whereas perhaps we could see another instance of Universal zooming in as soon as that release date is announced uh, from Disney and, and trying to beat them to the punch. I don't think they can do that in that case. I think you have to give people, uh, I mean, they may like, try and get out of in front of them but i don't think it'll be as 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 out of the blue as as the uh the city walk was because you're opening up a theme park and you need to have like all these things in place so uh, i mean they may try and undercut them by you know a little bit of time potentially but I don't think it will be as much of out of the blue as, as the city walk was. Right. I mean, yeah, to that point, it's like the, seems like maybe the, the effect that you benefit from with city walk doesn't apply as much to the parks, right? Like if you're talking about theme parks, certainly you have that local population that, that goes and attends, but really, uh, you know, you're talking about guests that are coming in and staying at the resorts and planning kind of larger trips. And uh, and so, yeah, with with the reduced capacity being what it's most likely going to be, at, you know, 20, 25 percent, 30 percent, you know, at least certainly from 
from a guest perspective, you're not going to get as much. And yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, you might get a press boost temporarily, but I, I do think that, I do think that the focus is on the Disney parks and despite what Universal is trying to do in terms of stealing some of their thunder and taking some of that, taking some of that shine, um, you know, people really are waiting for that announcement and just for the parks to open at Disney in general, that's, that's where that focus is for everybody. Oh yeah. I mean, Universal can try and get ahead of, of Disney, but I, I think regardless, I mean, they could try and get that whole, like, I guess being the first U S theme park or first, uh, uh, florida theme park to open or whatever and and get a little bit of a press boost out of it but in the end i think disney doesn't necessarily need to be the first and i don't know if it necessarily benefits them to be the first because by rushing things you potentially can be the first theme park to have that outbreak <laughs> and then have a bad name because you rushed it so uh yeah I think it just behooves them to just take their time and make sure that they've nailed everything. They got everything checked off and are completely set and ready to open. And then they open when they're ready. Yep. I think that, uh, that is spot on. And so quickly checking in with a few of the other Disney parks around the world, things are actually starting to look up. So it sounds like the executives at Disneyland Paris are working with all necessary parties to get a reopening plan put in place and in front of the Social and Economic Council ASAP. WDW News Today is reporting that this could mean that a mid-July reopening of the parks is within the realm of possibility. They also note a bit of added pressure is coming from the fact that Europa Park in Germany, which is currently their biggest competitor, is scheduled to reopen on May 29th. So they're getting it from both Orlando and they're getting it from Europe right now. I think Disney's doing the right thing. I mean, the more time they take and making sure that they do the right thing, it's only going to make people more comfortable coming in. And they're going to have less issues or potential problems with uh, an actual, like, another outbreak happening and being, like, uh, it tracked down to their theme park, which would be a terrible, terrible to be known for. Right. And to echo what both Bob Iger and Bob Chapik have said independently in their own interviews a big aspect of Disney parks coming back and returning to kind of prominence is building guest confidence that they're going to be safe when they arrive at the park. And so, you know, just like what you're saying, if guest confidence is low, it doesn't matter how early and when you open your park, right? If people don't feel safe coming back, they're not going to show up. So, Better to, again, like you're saying, take your time, ensure that uh, all of your processes, your health and safety procedures are where they need to be, everything is locked down, and then the people hopefully will come. Certainly will be more likely to come if uh, if that's the case. Oh, yeah. People, no doubt, are, are, are just 
itching to get out and do stuff. And if you look at like, I was just thinking about all the like normal events that I usually go to in the year and, uh, you know, and they've all been canceled. So the one thing, yeah. the only thing that we can technically count on, or I guess we'll event we will be able to go to is going to be go at least go into the theme parks. Cause uh, I think normally about this time close, I mean, in June, uh, my wife and I, Lori, we go to the pirate festival that's already been canceled. And we also go to the Ren fair and that's in, uh, the October, uh, September, October timeframe that's already been canceled. So, even though that's pushed out further, it's already been canceled. So we can't go to that either. And of course the state fair that was canceled. So, uh, you know, all we have to look forward to potentially is going to the theme parks. So right. I, I think there's going to be the, there is a, a big demand there, but they need to be like making sure that, like everything is locked down because the last thing we need is that they're not on the ball and then they have another outbreak, which forces them to close down again. And that will be very costly. I mean, it's not just costly for us, it's costly for them. And then it causes us to have to do all this stuff all over again. Better safe than sorry. Oh, yeah. Well, and so for uh, for Tokyo Disney Resort, various bits and pieces are still being worked on around the park. No word on the status of New Fantasyland, but it's sounding like work is continuing on Disney Sea's upcoming Fantasy Springs expansion, still scheduled for 2023. So plenty of time to catch up there. And in fact, this past week, local insider Mark Sasaki tweeted out a photo of the current construction site even going so far as to clearly call out future locations of the onsite hotel, along with the upcoming Pixie Hollow, Tangled, Frozen, and Peter Pan attractions. So uh, there is definitely a lot to get excited about. I know. I, I know that uh, it's not like a ton of you know new news per se, other than you know things are still moving forward on that front. But the idea that we're getting. Uh, a whole new fantasy themed port slash bland at uh, at Disney Sea, especially that has some of these franchises that we all know and love. The Peter Pan ride, especially, there's not a ton known about it, but it is supposed to be like a, a completely different experience than what we have with the uh, the classic Peter Pan's flight. So, you know, I, I can only imagine what a modern day Peter Pan ride from scratch with the, with the, uh, with the polish that you would expect at a Tokyo Disney resort um, attraction will actually be like. I can't believe for how long I did not know about Disney sea. It's I'm embarrassed that I didn't know about it for <laughs> as long as I did. Um, it was probably for the best because it would just make me uh, more disappointed that I, I didn't actually have a chance to to see it from what I've seen that you've shown me uh, from your adventures in VR. It's amazing. And from what I've heard from other friends that it's just such a, it's such a cool, a cool park. It 
It really is. And, you know, to your point, it, it is absolutely one of the most unique Disney parks. It sometimes maybe makes it so that it stays under the radar a little bit. I mean, even the, the concept of Disney Sea and just the, the title, the name of the park Disney Sea is doesn't it doesn't at least when you talk to people out west, it doesn't conjure anything in particular that really kind of runs your imagination, you know, with like a Disney California adventure, or Animal Kingdom or uh, Hollywood Studios or, you know, Walt Disney Studios or whatever. Any of these other kind of non castle parks, um, usually you've got something in the title to kind of spark your imagination and and, you know. I don't know. The idea of like a nautical themed Disney is, is at least out West here. It's, it's uh it's a weird kind of mix, but in actuality, you know, that level of uniqueness and originality really helps it to exceed because you, you do go in thinking like, it's like, you know, it's weird. And that instead of lands, it's ports and like, what does that even look like? And so you had just have like this, uh, this kind of mysterious, but expertly themed, um, a theme park out there. So, yeah, I mean, I, I had a blast. It really was, uh, really was fantastic. And I think initially when I heard about fantasy Springs, it, uh, it maybe made me bristle a little bit because some of the coolest aspects of Disney sea is the non Disney aspects of it. Like it is not a heavily themed Disney park. Um, there's not a lot of Disney IP. There's kind of more and more that are slowly creeping in, but still generally it's its own kind of beast. Uh, and so the idea of kind of adding a whole land dedicated to just Disney, like basically Disney sees fantasy land um, is a little strange, but the more I think about it, like I said, it's it's hard not to be excited given just the caliber of everything within that park. So good times, 2023, still uh still a ways off, but uh but we'll see, man. We in the meantime, we should we shouldn't wait. We gotta get out there. <laughs> maybe when maybe once they announce uh, new fantasy land at Tokyo Disneyland, we can uh we can get out there a little early. <laughs> I would love to go, but and you've been to Tokyo, but you've been to Tokyo Disneyland, right? Yeah, but that was a long, long time ago. I I went there when I was like fifteen, and uh, I mean it was it was fun, but it was it was like going to Disneyland for the most part. I mean, nothing really stood out as 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 being much different or much better. It felt kind of. Disney, okay, it's Disneyland in Japanese. <laughs> They've done a pretty good job, I'm sure, since then. Sounds like to uh, differentiate it a little bit. But yeah, it is. Um, it's probably, at least of the castle parks, the most similar to kind of what you would see at Disneyland and at Magic Kingdom. So <laughs> that that reaction, I think, is uh, is totally fair. And so finally, I thought it might be worth looping back around to Shanghai Disneyland and taking a look at one of their new systems that they've implemented. So as you remember, Shanghai became the first Disney park to reopen with a slew of health and safety guidelines for guests. 
One of these is a brand new reservation system that everyone is required to use in order to purchase tickets in advance. So Inside the Magic has a detailed flow of this process thanks to uh, an Instagram user by the name of Dischapapi who posted numerous screenshots of the, the general process of going through this. Uh, overall, it's pretty straightforward. However, there are a few interesting quirks to note. So uh, when you first start out, you have to purchase a either a single or a half-day ticket for a specific date. It's pretty similar like you would normally. Um, and a, and a half-day ticket means that you uh, enter the park. You can enter the park anytime after two one of the interesting things pointed out was that after you've after you have a ticket currently in your possession you technically cannot buy a new one until what you've already purchased has been used so it's a little weird and and you know it being only a one park resort uh it can be more of a one day park experience but the idea of you showing up to uh, or the idea of you having a vacation at Shanghai Disneyland that spans multiple days uh, is made a little bit more difficult with this process since you technically can only have one ticket for one day at a time. Yeah, that that really sucks. <laughs> it's crazy. That That's very concerning because then you can't really, like, uh, I mean, that would, that would make it not worthwhile of, traveling there i guess this would be uh kind of a situation where only like locals would participate in this yeah oh well and i think that's the i think that's the intention it would seem like so uh, you know if uh because certainly you're not traveling to china right now anyway with a lot of travel restrictions from everywhere from each side uh it's pretty much all locals regardless but um, and so hopefully by the time things start opening up, this process is, has changed a little bit. Um, but, uh, but they do have at the very least, they do have plenty of, it looked like half day tickets available on, on most days that are selectable. I think, I believe the single day full day tickets were sold out immediately and continue to be sold out immediately. So, uh, so yeah, that might be a little bit difficult, but if you are somebody that maybe wants, you know, close to two days, you're lucky enough to get a single day. You can get a half day either at the day before or day after, then maybe that kind of helps ease that up a little bit. But yeah, I mean, if you're coming in and staying at the hotel and hope to get multiple days of Disney under your belt, it's going to be a bit of a challenge, at least right now. And so after you've made that purchase, you can then register with an online reservation system that uh, for a full single day ticket, you then have to select one of four different arrival times. So they have park opening after 10.30 a.m., after 12 p.m., and then after 2 p.m., um, and from the screenshot provided of this page, it looked like there possibly are a limited number of spots for each uh, for each time period. So uh, on that specific screenshot, it looked like the park opening slot and the after 1030 a.m. slot were already taken. So you had an option of saying after two or after noon. So 
Um, I'm guessing that that's in place so that they don't have like a really huge crunch of people when the park opens, like they can control any kind of rope drop situation and they can control, uh, when you're going to have, you know, small groups of people kind of coming through the entrance and coming through security. But, uh, but man, that's a real bummer. If you're able to select a full single day ticket and you can't show up until afternoon or even after 2 PM, that's, that's pretty brutal. Oh yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, I totally understand that, uh, what they're putting in place and everything, but, uh, it would definitely make me think twice before like planning, I guess, even if you're like kind of local, you're in country and you want to go, I might think twice before, uh, going if, you know, all these things, are set. I mean, if I'm like living right there in the area, then maybe, but, uh, although, I mean, uh, it depends also like how late they're open too, because, uh, I know, uh, we, when we're on vacation, we don't generally try and get in for rope drop, rope drop. We want to sometimes sleep in a little bit more. So that might not be terrible, but yeah, I guess it depends on your, how long the how late the park is open but and then uh yeah whether you have a a full day ticket or not yeah it is not a late night park so uh when i was there it was open till eight uh and i'm looking on the i'm looking on the homepage right now and they're listing at least weekday hours from 9 a.m to 8 p.m yeah and then weekend hours are the exact same so it uh yeah, it's it's definitely an early early closer of a park. Hmm. So if you if you've got that half day, uh, you know you've got basically six hours to do what you got to do. That's eleven hours in the park total if you if you are able to secure a open till close time slot. So um, you know, I mean, it sounds like with low capacity, like you were saying that Lori was reading last week there there's low wait times generally, especially at, at kind of the slower parts of the day. So, I mean, you still may be able to get plenty done in the park. Uh, I was there. It was a very busy day for me, but I was still able to kind of see and do everything that I wanted to see in that one full day at the park. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it sounds like if, you really have, at least as of now, if you really have your heart set on going to Shanghai Disneyland, you are going to have to work for it uh, and be really on top of securing your ticket for the date that you want and securing your ticket for the, the earliest possible slot that you can get. Um, so pretty crazy. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it being, well... So it, the situation being that everyone right now is looking at all of these policies that are being implemented into Shanghai, I mean, it, it would, I think, be a mistake not to think that some type of this system could be put in place. Uh, you know, we already know that capacity is going to be limited to probably that same 20, 25 percent of, uh, of normal park capacity when the U S parks open. Uh, we know that they're, uh, that they're going to have to figure out a way to limit the amount of people that come in for any given time. 
So, you know, it's possible that something like this could could be seen at the U.S. parks. I mean, we've also, though, seen other systems that Disney already has in place for rides like uh, Rise of the Resistance that they've used for, you know, reservation system that they used for the opening of Galaxy's Edge when that happened. You know, we've seen they have, it looks like a virtual queue system that they've been working on uh, for kind of a larger scale use around rides so that people aren't waiting in lines. So perhaps it could be a system like that. I, I am curious. We've already talked about the fact that, you know, the the one ticket at a time system probably wouldn't work out very well uh, for the U.S. parks, considering you're talking about multiple parks that you're that you're trying to span when you visit uh, Disneyland or Walt Disney World. But other than that, do you feel like this could be a system that that could be implemented into the U.S. or do you think it's maybe it's it's a little too specific to Shanghai? Um, I think some of that I think can work over here. I do like the idea of people having like a time that they can come into the park because that keeps those lines kind of down. So uh, I appreciate that. Uh, but I don't know, like it, I'm too used to people trying to work the system and push their way through <laughs> anyways in the u.s right. so i i don't know how well it would work or how well it would be received um i i think uh i don't know how well a half day ticket will work i think it could work over here for sure but uh i, I think they would still try and just sell you a full day ticket regardless um but uh, i think they would use a maybe a different kind of reservation system where you just have to get a, a reservation to get tickets. Now, I don't know about having that whole one, one ticket at a time uh, deal will work. Cause I mean, when we go, we go for multiple days and even, I think even our last trip, we went for two days and uh technically you know i i take that back we were there for three days the plan was technically for two days only but we went for three days and we still didn't get everything done we got so little done those two days that i was actually stressing that uh my sister wasn't going to get to see everything she wanted to see um so um <laughs> i i don't know how well that I think that part definitely doesn't work here. Um, totally. So I think elements do, but parts of it don't. Do you think you would rather see the system of uh, perhaps Galaxy's Edge work out where, you know, you have a specific date in time? Like, let, let's say, you know, a certain amount of slots... Well, no, let's say they do it exactly like Galaxy's Edge, where if you were a resort guest at one of the hotels, you were guaranteed a slot or you were guaranteed entrance into Galaxy's Edge at some point. But if you weren't staying on site, 
you had to log in to a specific reservation site at a given date and time and basically sit in a virtual queue uh, as this kind of behind the scenes lottery system decided uh, when and if it was your turn to kind of claim a date and time. And then if and when you were picked, you had kind of a, you were given a, a, a you were given um you were shown all of the slots that were still available. You could choose that. You could choose how many guests you were bringing in and then go forward from there. So do you think that, that a, a Galaxy's Edge system like that would work better? Yeah, I think uh, the Galaxy's Edge system works better. I It's, it's a little bit frustrating because uh, being a planner, I like to be able to like just point to like, this is what I'm going to do and have everything nailed down. I don't like it being kind of like thrown up in the air where, okay, you know, you might get this. I want to know what I have and just get it. But it is a system that it's, it's a, you know, an element of what we're living with in this day and age now that I guess it's something that we're going to have to deal with. But I think that system works much better uh but i i guess i i wonder if you would be able to like apply for like a five-day trip or something like that and in and, and whatnot <laughs> instead of like doing this like one day at a time thing uh that uh shanghai yeah. is doing because yeah i think that's that the kind of the um the one ticket at a time system is the one area i think definitely could not carry over and and i would be shocked if uh if they did do something like that just because again um it, it's a very different setup especially at walt disney world where you know part of part of the deal for for a majority of their guests is that you know they're probably flying in or driving in or arriving staying on site and then are there for multiple days. I mean, Disney World essentially is is built for for that and to for people to be on site for as long as possible. Now, you're totally right that that may that may be limited, that may be forced to be limited in some way because it doesn't make sense for people to just be, you know, there for 12 days at a time especially if if um if they're limiting the amount of people that can show up. But I think everything else in that system could potentially work. And I mean, it, it, you know, whether it's a, whether it's a, um, whether it's a galaxy's edge system or just some kind of advanced system, certainly they're, they're going to have to do something. The big question I think this brings up and, and has been kind of floating around in all of these conversations that we've had theorizing of what that experience is going to be like at, at uh, at certainly Walt Disney World, is this general question of you know of how far are they going to stretch it? Like where's the where is the breaking point of guests where things are so um, encumbered in terms of the amount of extra policies and the amount of extra process that you have to apply if you want to stay. Um, what's that breaking point where you're just kind of like, dude, it's not worth it right now. Um, and where, you know, most guests would feel that way. 
Uh, so, you know, you, that the, the idea of one park at a time or that you have no control over, you know, like what park you're in, like, let's say you have a five day ticket. Um, and you know, the fact that they're basically saying, oh, if you had a ticket for these time periods that were, were closed for, that'll still carry through for the rest of the year. So you definitely do have people with <laughs> multiple day tickets, uh, myself included. And so, you know, if they're going to come forward and say, well, part of the process is, you know, um, we're assigning what park you're going to on a given day just so that they can manage that. That's also one of those areas that uh that maybe all of a sudden you're like nah, it doesn't sound that great honestly <laughs> like wait a second now now this is feeling less and less like uh, a, a disney vacation certainly they know going in that there's an expectation that things aren't going to be totally normal but um but and and you know the fact that they have a very limited capacity that they're going to be working with makes it so that obviously they can afford for people to feel like maybe now's not the time uh you know we've been talking about all the people online that have been complaining about face masks and saying, well, listen, if face masks is a requirement, then we're not going to show up. Uh, my guess is that fine. Like that's not that they'll still be able to find 20% of their normal capacity uh, of people that are willing to wear face masks. Um, so, you know, it, 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 it's all about finding those elements that people can live with and then identifying what are those places that uh, what are those pain points that people just can't live with yeah i think what they basically the more hoops they put in place the less likely you're going to get um you know the that family coming uh from out of state or or uh, or even potentially families coming and you just get kind of like that hardcore fan that has like maybe an annual pass or something like that that kind of go for one day at a time but you know they they love the park and everything but they don't necessarily spend as much right because they have everything yeah. uh so so it's it's i think it's not to their benefit to to make it too difficult um and i think too you want people staying having maybe the longer visits i think they should definitely go by how they sell the passes the tickets like uh they sell like the you know you have the one day the two day you have three day four day and five day right. i think they should definitely have like maybe reservations for those type of stays because uh, i think definitely those people who are potentially staying taking the longer vacation are more likely going to be spending more in the park and they're probably staying more in the park than you know people who are just going one or two days yeah i i'm and honestly i could see a system that prevents multiple tickets over multiple days from being purchased simultaneously at disneyland more so than disney world right disneyland is certainly more so of a locals park than Disney World is. So you do have a lot more pass holders. You do have a lot more people that are only going for a single day. Maybe they get a park hopper, but it's a single day kind of a thing. They drive down from LA or they drive up from San Diego or whatever, you know? Um, 
So I could see uh, that being more limited at Disneyland because they're going to have a whole different problem than Disney World because you do have so many pass holders that are hardcore fans that will be clamoring to get in. Like you can you can limit uh, you can limit that number of people interested much further at Disney World by by kind of constraining capacity and saying, you know, only pass holders and only hotel people are, are going, but uh, it's a much harder thing because as soon as you open it up to pass holders at Disneyland, it's like what 60, 70% of your audience already. Uh, And, you know, then, then you have to get into the question of, well, when do you start collecting Fees. Like when does the clock of annual pass holder payment continue again? Does it pick up as soon as you say that you're open and that you have the ability to purchase a reservation or do you hold off and say, well, this is all, this is all extra. If you're able to get a reservation as an annual pass holder during this initial constrained period, uh, you know, it's just kind of icing on the cake. You're still being extended anyway. And it's not, it's not ticking down your time. Uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a whole different problem at Disneyland, though. Well, I think, too, a lot of the, the locals are fine with doing just a one-day visit. Those maybe, those reservation slots are probably going to them. That's why I think you need to have, like, uh, you do reservations by, like, how many days, like, the different amount of days, so that uh, maybe the one-day one or two day trips are all like annual pass holders, but like people who are planning on actually doing a vacation and probably traveling a a fair distance or uh, aren't a local technically in the area, they're more likely going to want the longer stays. So I kind of like how that would allow for non pass holders to get those, get, get some time in. I do wonder, though, I mean, <laughs> now that we're talking about it, I mean, I really do wonder what that system in Disneyland is going to be for pass holders and how they're going to handle this whole. I mean, the the you know, we've talked about it on previous episodes, but I mean, even just getting to the point with pass holder payments where Disney put payments on hold and said and offered a, a refund option for people that maybe just wanted to cash out on uh, on their pass holder that was going to expire during the closures and didn't want an auto extension. Getting to that point was difficult with Disney. They were not going to offer those options up at first. Uh, it wasn't until people lost their minds and just, you know, on the internet and over phone lines were just constantly pinging Disney about how screwed up, uh, not offering, uh, a, a, an option to just kind of stop your payments on, uh, on your pass or not getting an auto extension and instead just getting a refund for the remaining balance. Um, so I have to imagine that if there's anything, if, 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 if there's even a whiff of tomfoolery or a whiff of, you know, them not being flexible, I mean, it, it seems like at, at least from a base level, it would be pretty messed up if they start saying, well, you're, you know, the park is considered open. So, you know, the time starts again on your 
annual passport as soon as you have the ability to make a reservation, regardless of whether you're actually able to make a reservation because of limited capacity. That seems like that would be pretty messed up. Yeah, I think it would be reasonable that once you like, uh, once they open up and you make your first reservation or something, that's when uh, you start to uh, to have to pay or something, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I could just see. I'm like in my mind right now. I'm looking into the future and just seeing how much of a mess that's going to be. One, one has to hope that uh, the person in charge of annual passport relations has some kind of plan up their sleeve and some way of doing this gracefully because... I mean, my main response to like the idea of, well, it uh, it starts clicking off as soon as you're able to get a reservation. It's like, well, I spent this money with the understanding and with the acknowledgement that like I'm prepaying in advance for tickets that should be available to me whenever the calendar or blackout calendar that was in existence at that time uh, showed that I was able to, and certainly again, Disney's well within their rights to make any kind of change that they want to, to kind of best facilitate the current situation. But, uh, man, that leaves a bad taste in my mouth. If, you know, I've paid in full already. So they say, well, your extension starts now, basically. And maybe I'm only able to get one reservation during the initial like few months that they're uh, open and limiting capacity. Uh, I would be pretty pissed off if that's the case. Yeah, no, like you, you wanted to do like, you got one this time and the following month you wanted to do another reservation and you couldn't get one. And now you, yeah. you're out of a month and you're still paying for it anyways. It's definitely a unique to Disneyland situation because they've, they've kind of front loaded so many, uh, of these annual passports. I mean, I, I certainly as a flex pass holder do not expect to see uh, a ton of free openings <laughs> in, in the, uh, in the, you know, right after they open that park. So we'll see. I, I imagine it's going to be, it's going to be uh, a fight to try to get any kind of reservation for an opening day. Probably. I, I keep going back and forth. Like, I think that it's not going to be as bit, but now that I'm seeing all this like info coming out and they're really getting people like hyped up to go back into the park and all the situation down in LA and everything. I think, uh, I think it is going to be uh, probably pretty busy uh, once they do reopen. So that's the one drawback about like, I understand the reservation sh system of uh, when Galaxy's Edge was opening, uh, but I, it's not something that I really look forward to trying to navigate no. and be like sitting at a computer. Just ho hopefully uh, I'll get a can get it in and and I'm constantly refreshing. That is not a... It was stressful. Yeah, it's a stressful situation that I don't... I think what would be nice is that if they have some kind of system where set up where you put in, like, your basic information, like, okay, I want to make a vacation plan for this time period. Maybe you have to give, like, uh, some dates 
and say how many days and how many people are you're planning to have in your party and you put that in the system and then they kind of like you, you just kind of like set it and forget it and they and it is lottery system where they let you know okay yes you can make it for this time period and you don't have to keep doing the whole refresh because those people with like five people in their party or have like their group of 20 friends all of them have pcs and nothing else to do during the day are just sitting at home doing that or you have like a that one clever programmer who created a bot to just sit there and <laughs> well, actually, maybe I need to talk to some of the engineers. Work. Dude. Yeah. Let's make some phone calls. Dude. I felt pretty clever and I'm not a programmer, but I had, I had four different instances of that lottery system up and I was in on uh, my phone, my laptop, my PC and my iPad. So I was like ready to go. I felt like I was in a little command center and I was lucky enough to get one on one of the devices, but I was like, man, this is insane. This still took me forever to, uh, to get through. And it's, you know, as it's going through, I'm refreshing Reddit to see like people that are saying, yeah, I got it. it. I mean, it was a very similar feeling to what we were talking about with rise of the resistance where, you know, you're waiting for that button to pop open, uh, to say, grab your, uh, boarding pass and people around you are freaking out with excitement and you're still waiting there, like refreshing. It's, uh, it's definitely, uh, like I said, just a very stressful experience. So, uh, here's hoping that they they find some elegant solution. I'm not I'm not holding out too much hope, but uh, again, still plenty of time to figure it out. Uh, so I guess we'll see. I mean, I think I think regardless, it will be a hot ticket in town. If for if for no other reason, then it'll be limited to twenty percent of whatever that normal park capacity is. So it's like, you know. It's just the laws of supply and demand. There'll be a low supply, high enough demand. And then word will start getting out of like, you know, hey, it's uh, Disneyland is the hottest ticket in town right now. And, and just, you know, the fact that something is scarce makes people want to go to it even more. Uh, I'm definitely susceptible to this. I know for, an, for, for a fact that even though right now I'm kind of like, man... I don't know if I want to go through that just trauma of fighting my way into that first kind of day at Disneyland when it opens. I know that when things start moving in that direction, I'm going to I'm going to really want to be there. So don't know if that'll actually happen, but uh, but I know that I know that that feeling will start to emerge once that uh, once we start moving forward. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I'm starting to think uh I wish I had put more time into learning Python. <laughs> oh, dude. Well, you got time. Uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> Still going to be. I mean, <laughs> you don't know if you want to put that much time. Well, I mean, I've been really busy lately, so I don't know if I have that time to spare to to like actually spend time looking at. But I don't know. Maybe. Just keep telling yourself Haunted Mansion pickles. Haunted Mansion Pickles. <laughs> well, that just about does it for today. Remember that you can catch The Great Park Hop each and every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever your favorite podcast service just so happens to be. 
As always, if you like what you hear and want us to keep making content just like this, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, or hit that like button. This has been episode 16 of The Great Park Hop, and we'll catch you next week. Stay healthy, everybody. Henry, take it easy, big guy. Talk to you soon. You too, man. Peace. Bye.